Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I know you are here wanting to change and rewrite your story. You are desiring to step into the impact that you know you were here to create. I am here to guide you with the proven tools and strategies used by myself and our speakers to support you in taking radical responsibility in your life and learning how to own your choices to change your story. My name is Marsha Van Weinsberg. I am a storytelling business coach, master NLP trainer, speaker, podcaster, and seven times published author. My clients have found freedom and purpose from overcoming their shame stories and learning how to share them with the world. I am so grateful you are here. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show. Today we are speaking with personal media advisor, Vinny Potestivo. Vinny is an Emmy Award winning media brand advisor, personal brand strategist, and content coach. He is also the host of I Have a Podcast. This is a great episode. If you've ever wondered how to share your voice, be yourself authentically, and how to get that message out there, this is the episode for you. Vinny shares so many points and nuggets and tips with you to be able to take your message further online, especially in a time where it seems like there's so much noise. His passion to inspire talent opportunities into impact has driven him and his team at VPE Talent to become well-trusted connectors who sell, develop, produce, launch, distribute and amplify some of the most impactful original series and talent brands in modern pulp culture. As a television network executive and supervising casting director at MTV Networks from 98 to 07, he pioneered his way talent and artists claimed control of their narrative by making them hosts, stars, and even producers of their own hit series. Having launched some of the most successful talent brands in modern pulp culture, Vinny continues to develop talent and talent-led projects and is an active member of the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. A mouthful, honestly, such a packed bio and so much information that he has and experience that he has. This is an episode you want to dive into, especially if you want to be able to share your message and spread it further online. Welcome to the show today, Vinny. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Yeah, are you kidding? I wouldn't be anywhere else. (laughs) So you are, uh, I mean, really a jack of all trades. You've done a number of different things. Plus, you're also a podcaster, right? Well, I mean, the the good news for me is they they keep calling us different. You know, Mm -hmm. first we're real people, then we're influencers, then we're creators. And somewhere in the middle, there were experts and entrepreneurs for a moment. Um, So whatever, whatever they want. I work in, I realized this 25 years in my career, I work in unpreferred media. I've been in, in cable, the digital side of media, the podcasting side, the side that really has impact that is now owned by us, the people. And that's something that calls me to be here because, because TV in the 90s had a, was gated through advertising and through network. So lucky to have gotten my start there, to have worked with people who had a pass through a TV network to get their stories heard, 
mm-hmm. Jessica Simpson, the the, Sims, uh, uh, the Osbournes, Ashton Kutcher, people who changed their lives, their careers by by making a conscious decision to record them changing their life story and then sharing it, you know, through mm-hmm. reality TV and and then with the advent of the iPhone, <laughs> the iPhone. we all. We all became, you know, business brand owners that capable of creating content and, and representing ourselves and no, lo- no longer needing to seek a form of representation. So that's a really powerful place to be. And um, in this blip of humanity, if I lucked out to be here at this given moment, I feel called to help help people who now, I don't want to say are burdened by being creators, but are s- suddenly shocked. <laughs> we aha gotcha into being creators so that you can own your voice, your character, your story, all the pieces that people share. Mm. The pieces that, that if you don't give adequately, become a different version of you. But if you are impeccable in your speech, if you are clear in your vision, if you are consistent in your methodology, like these are things that help people stand out. These are things that help people share the stuff from people who share. And, and, and to be honest, uh, visibility without sharing is entertainment. And that's cool. Visibility without sharing is entertainment or education. If if I'm educating you or I'm entertaining you, I'm asking you to stay consumed and watching my content. Mm. If I'm asking you to share it, that's where discoverability happens. So homework is the act of sharing what we've learned, discoverability. Now I know how this information can be used. Um, And I love the entertainment side of media. I got my kick in it, you know, my start in it in the 90s. And um yeah, and I but I but I also got started in cable TV at, at MTV and Fox News Network, two places where where we were taking control over the narrative. Where there was a, there was um, a, a drive for us to have an, an individual voice and not you know a giant corporate voice coming from two giant corporations. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so there's about ten different directions I want to go. So. <laughs> It's all yours. It's like pasta against the wall. It's all yours. It's all good. So al dente. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Unpreferred media. First off, just caught me as soon as you said that because isn't that the truth? You, as somebody who really got a start, you said in Fox News. What was Fox News like then? Oh yeah. I just have to ask this one. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, unru- uh, uh, it saw out. It was fifty-fifty. To be honest, I worked on a show called Hannity and Combs. Uh, it was a show back in the nineties that. Um, really gave gave both sides gave fair and equal value to both sides of the conversation in that show. Um, Fox News, the construct of that network, lent itself to some extremisms based on how that network was bought and who was already and the ad network and who the programming network that was already sort of in there. So. Um, that's been an it's been an interesting uh, journey to see where Fox News has gone. Um, but I, I got to say, Fox News, uh, CNN, CBS News, and Huffington Post. I've gotten to really have a, have an impact on the journalists that are on all those platforms now, because I worked at MTV or and, and the CBS merger happened when I was there too, and 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 have since wow. you know continued to help help them make impact. Um, it was my ability. I was an audience coordinator. So, you know, I had a, I was good at Microsoft Excel. I was good at, at keeping notes on people and keeping information flowing and making sure people had accurate information in as real time as we could back then, which meant you only got one shot to get it right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I had to go out, I had to go abroad. And then, 
And then when I was on the road with them, they would ask the producers asked me to interview the audience and find out people who wanted to ask questions, and I would help pick the questions that were asked. And political science wasn't, you know, in my in my core interest even or specialty at, in school. Business, economics, technology, and arts were you know, the, the the sort of areas that I was most interested in. So I, I used a sort of empath mm-hmm. filter. If I understood the question. I'm probably not going to know the answer, and I'm certainly not going to be capable of giving you the answer. But if I felt like that question would wouldn't rock the dinner table, <laughs> coming from you know Staten Island, the little the little red blip of an island in, in a sea of blue here in the in the east. So if I couldn't if I couldn't rock the table and make an impact, if it was just going to you know if it was a question just to get the room riled up versus a question that I felt like the answer could really have make major impact, mm-hmm. and those that was sort of like the beginning of it. Um, that was late 90s. And then in the 2000 elections were coming about, MTV hired me to help them find choose or lose, which was the way they, they addressed uh, their the, the young audience that's now voting for the first time. And again, I came in with my spreadsheets and databases and super organized. And MTV had a show called Wanna Be a VJ. Like, like there was like a contest where you could be a video host and you would introduce videos and Again, I came in with my databases and my Excel spreadsheets, and I had this like technical, you know, skill set and a, and a creative capacity. And and when MTV was looking to create the talent development department in the in 1999, um, my boss Rod Asop, you know, we had already had some type of relationship. I had as a freelancer, and they didn't need a talent executive; they needed someone who could support that person. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's how I got to work with like the biggest storytellers in media and that, you know, and, and also in casting, you don't, you don't often get to make the decision, but you get to be part of the choice selection. Like I I know that if I put them in front of you, someone that I put in front of you is most likely going to get selected. So, Mm -hmm. so that becomes an interesting balance. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm this middleman where I have goals. I have community goals and audience goals and not to say creative goals. I don't, I don't have creative goals when it comes to working with people. Often, often I don't because my creative goals are built to support them on their impact goals. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, it was people like McCannon who wanted, you know, a show that he could turn into a giant, you know, franchise that would support comedy in a way that we never imagined. Ashton Kutcher, you know, Ashton Kutcher, the last thing he wanted on MTV in the, in the, in the early 2000s was to be seen as a host. He was like a, he had a number one hit TV show and he was a box office movie star, mm-hmm. but he wasn't a producer. And he didn't have a production company. And and Punked gave him that platform to ultimately launch his production company and and really pivot into the the version of his story that he knew he was capable of. Mm-hmm. But we in media were quick to say, no, no, no. And Jessica Simpson too. Sharon, I mean, I can go down and down the Osborne. I can go right down the list of all these people who <laughs> who who claim 30 minutes a week. To share their story and that's when i realized you know it's it's not it's not the celebrities get you know they have a version where people can you know celebrities didn't have power of being on television unless you were on mtv and it was being seen by the audience. that's where change happened mm-hmm. and and i think you know and then and then it was hard to share back then i, I the proof yeah. is in the pudding look at the numbers now and why tv networks talk about social and it's hard to share back then so that's why MTV would air it 80 times back in the day. Well, so anyway. This, no, I love that you're sharing this because one of the things that we talk about consistently on this um, podcast is 
the power of sharing our stories. Like it's how we connect with others. And it sounds like like that was something you got to see firsthand how powerful it was even before social media took off the way that it did. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I I was in preparation for social media. What I got to experience was in, in what I got to experience in real time because that's really what social media gives us is is feedback in almost real time. Um, I got to experience the audience's reaction both from from the audience's perspective at MTV and the talent perspective at MTV, and I saw how people chose to accept certain pieces or review certain pieces of energy that were out there. Um, I saw Jessica Simpson between season one and you know Jessica the the the, the construct of of newlyweds. If, it's not really true back then, but I'd like I'd like to say it is. You know, now when you look back, I think that show the call for that show was uh, the media had a perception of how a female should be in a relationship, especially mm-hmm. in a married one. And Jessica was here to say, "Y'all, stop putting me in all these like I'm not Brittany, I'm not Christina, I'm not a size zero, I'm not a size this, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Stop all the things that I'm not. Let's just create a space where I am." And MTV gave her a space for 30 minutes where she was. And what she got to see between season one and season two was a version of herself that up until that point, uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about, it was very manufactured. It was all music videos, right? So, so here celebrities had a version of feedback based on these hyper-manufactured pieces of content, short form music videos that we're putting out there. I'm laughing because that's what we're, we're in this economy ourselves. We yeah. literally threw ourselves in the same, the same uh, <laughs> uh, pressure chamber that we saw these celebrities going, you know, going through. And I think that's why, when I bring up the fact that we own the intellectual property of our podcast, that we can—I I don't rush to get an advertiser on my podcast. I don't want an advertiser on my podcast. I only get three ads, so one for me and two for people that I support. And I couldn't think of a better way to use my ads that way. Yeah, I'll get paid from ads. I repurpose my video. Um, and I, there's a, uh, th- through a cable network called Bespoke TV and we're available on a couple of AVODs and I can do short form video content that way. So I know how to make advertising in an additional distribution, but this is, my podcast is called, I have a podcast. I know. I love the name. <laughs> I love like, the name. It's I, I'm the oldest child of <laughs> like four now. I'm the oldest. It's mine. I'm, people say, what's your, what's your like plan for? I'm like, my plan for is to have a podcast for like a really long time. I have a podcast. Like I want to, it's a collaboration vehicle. It's, it's so many things. It's creative Play-Doh, you know, right? Like it's, it turns into the book and it turns into the film and it turns into the reality series. And that's not speculative. I've been doing those deals since 2006 converting Mm -hmm. podcasts into broadcast shows, converting podcasts into books. I it's, it's deeply attainable, so much so that I finally believed in doing it myself. <laughs> How long have you had a podcast? Two years. I've had a podcast two years. I've had about 30 episodes out. I took a little break, which was really nice. And I changed. I pivoted. Um, I focused a lot heavily on like a 45-minute episode with one guest. Um, and what I don't want to do is have to go out and book 52 guests for my podcast just so that, so that I can get episodes. And also so I can show people the access that I have. To talent, um, uh, I wanted to show them the level of access that I have to talent. So instead, what I do is I record six times a year. I record one day, eight hours. I record eight episodes. Each is about 10 minutes long with two people. So four episodes, two people in a day. 
And that gives me a month. So like the month of November um, of, of 2022, I'll have Mandy Moore episodes. So it gives me a month of episodes with Mandy Moore where we talk about things that I think are really important that I don't have to crunch into one special episode. And it just gives me time. I just, I'm, not, I'm just asking for more time. <laughs> Everyone's this rush. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. Okay, but let's plan like we got four weeks. Because also, like, even when I'm not here, oh, that's sad to think of. But then at least those four, at least there's the time is planned. At least the framework is there. At least you know that there is intentionality mm-hmm. in this conversation. And there's finality mm-hmm. in this conversation as opposed to a rush to produce content. Because that is not sustainable. That is like... No, it's not. And I mean, as a person whose podcast, we are now just under episode 500. Yeah. And I mean, I love, I, I think you, if you are an avid podcaster, you get it. And it's important to you for different reasons. I can't tell you the number of people would say, well, how long before I make money and what do I do with it? And I'm like, if that's your goal, don't start. Like literally yeah. don't start because you, this, my podcast community is a chance for me to share more of me like probably more of me than what other people get, like as far as social media, but that's also a chance to showcase stories of people who have overcome unbelievable circumstances. Yeah. So, but I love, I love what you just said in the sense that, you know, it's just a permission if you're listening and you do want to start a podcast, you get to do whatever you want. Like there's no, you don't have to do it the same way that someone else does. And I did tune in. I did see how you broke up your episodes because I was listening to, your interviews with um, Jamie Lynn Siegler this morning. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, I love how you did that. That was just such a neat little bite-sized conversations. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I Well, I mean, I don't want to rush through things. Mm-hmm. To be really honest, I, I, I felt rushed. I felt rushed in having to pick and having to, when you tell me prioritize the top three things in this episode, and I have to literally, it's like picking, it's like picking friends for like a small intimate birthday dinner. You're like, oh, no. Oh, but also not only that but like i, I i'm getting left out with those people. I, years i've had relationships with those people building to this moment and now i can't have that because we're gating and i control you know the gate piece in here fugazi you got me on that one <laughs> we have so much we have so much control over that you know and that's that's a beauty in, in what happens with discoverability now um J- what i learned with jamie by the way there was a really cool moment with jamie where i just soaked in her shot she's just so beautiful and radiant mm-hmm. and i've always loved her with every absolutely all of it but she is shining as a mom and it is so you know i knew her when she was recording you know when she was in the meadow soprano phase and like we we survived new york together you know um it's funny to look back at that show and and realized what a craft she was doing when I was quote unquote hanging around at MTV back while she was doing some like legit work. Um, but she, she records in a 4k video. So the moral of the story is, is that I realized I said, Jamie, your shot is beautiful, but what's the tech setup? She's like, Oh, it's a four, it's a 4k camera with this interface. I realized that I made a decision to use my new 2019 back then, my 2019 iMac camera, which was 720 frames per second, not even 1080, which is normal HD. And I realized that that was a choice that I was making, that I was putting myself in the fuzzy photo and that I was a per. and I realized I would never put someone else in a fuzzy photo frame. Why am I putting myself in a fuzzy, like that's weird. Like, mm-hmm. So I went out and spent 30 bucks and got an awesome 1080 camera. Uh, 1080 HD, standard HD um, on, and that's going to matter. 
And that matters because platforms aren't going to want to take down non HD content in the years to come. That's actually part of the obstacle is uh, in television, maybe 10 years ago was, was making sure that the entire quality of the, of the half hour or 60 minutes of the show was HD and a certain percentage had to be HD. Um, podcasting this digital marketing it's 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 marketed it's that there's the fcc and other agencies are now getting very involved in um this so i i think that quality quality really matters mm. um by the way people who launch a podcast out of the gate they qualify for awards instantly so i want to throw that out there but for people who are looking for money you know i i too i cringe when i'm like oh man this is not going to be a fun convo but here's yeah. here's my fun answer is that I have about 50 creator platforms that I recommend throwing your name on. Mm -hmm. you, if your name's not on the list, they will not pick you and discover you and find you and work with you. Mm -hmm. So I make a couple of hundred bucks to maybe a couple of thousand bucks per month just because I put my name on a creator marketing platform, which is a, 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 pl a place where brands like Meta, like Facebook itself, or um, uh, 1-800-Flowers, I see on their Timex, I see on their a lot, uh, sneaker brands, where they don't know me, but they come to this platform and they say to the platform, you pick 150 people for us to work with. You let your data AI, mm. and then and then we want you to be the ones to get the contracts, get the products to them, make sure they actually post, make sure they actually pay. It's like an all-in-one solution. Um, Affable.ai is a great example of an, of an all-in-one solution, right? So if you're a brand, you go to Affable.ai, you say, I want 100 influencers that meet this category. And, let me get picked. Um, and I'm, I am not fancy on social media in any, I mean, I'm verified on a couple of platforms, so I know that stands out, but I don't stand out as a verified social media account against all of the other verified social media accounts. If anything, I'm, I try to be the little guy in the verified account. I'm like, yo, I'm just like 10, just above 10,000 little old trustworthy guinea okay. down here. You know, like I don't got a hundred or 200 or millions or like most, you know, of those verified accounts do because I try to stand out. And I know that there's like, you know, if 10 to 15 is a the threshold, then like I like to be right, right in the middle, to be really honest, not to this, not to that. It gives me the most amount of time to, to be impressive. Um, with them. So, so uh, if you're looking for ways to get that, I have on my website, I have a creator hub that's always free. Um, and I'm, any tactics that I share are all supported in documentation. So if you're looking for uh, creator platforms that actually pay, and as a podcaster, you're a creator, mm -hmm. I really want to point that out. So some people call them influencer platforms, but don't be fooled. It's influencer money, creator money. It's the same budget line right now. Mm -hmm. So that's like our flag, right? So I many of us it. don't identify as influencer. Like there's this weird, you know, thing about that. But that there's money for us there. And just by being on the list, it opens you up to the opportunity to do that. And credits. Credits are also something as a podcaster out of the gate that you're eligible for on IMDb. So the same place where you get your movies and your TV shows and your films and you see the actors and the, who made it and their intellectual property is on IMDb. So our podcasts are approved forms of intellectual property. That means not only can we get executive producer credit and host credit and production company credit and award credit, we're converting what's happening in real life to data points that does not exist anywhere in the World Wide Web anywhere than right here on IMDb. 
all the guests that are associated with our podcast now, right? So if I've had Jamie Lynn Sigler, if you go to the Sopranos and then you go to Jamie's page and then you see her, her podcast, then you would find her two podcasts right up top, Mama Said and Pajama Party, and then mine underneath. You know, I have a podcast. It's a form of discoverability for me. So not only am I now in, in that ability to get discovered in IMDb, but IMDb owned by Amazon is sharing this with Google. So Google now ranks, I have a podcast as a tagline in my image search because podcasts are a really rich form of content. They're, podcasts are, are, I think they're looking at podcasts more for the stream of content that's coming. If there's one, there's more. That's the type of relationship that Google wants. Someone might ask, how do I pitch my podcast to mass media? Or how do I pitch myself to mass media? And I say, don't pitch the story, pitch the source. Mm. No one cares about the one thing that you do. All, all that they have to do to validate and credit it and credit, credit, credify. I don't even know the word validate. Let's just say validate. validate. Let's go with that. credit to, you know, what you, that's a lot of work on a news platform. If there's going to be more content coming for you, more stories coming to you mm-hmm. as a source. That's, that's powerful to reach out to. And then the Google version of that is if you are converting podcast into blogs, then you probably qualify to be a Google News verified publisher on Google News. So if you go to news.google.com and type in your name and your, your website name and you're not listed as a source, um, then go to publishercenter.google.com and add yourself. It takes about a week and a half, but you have to be consistently posting blogs. And these are just like tiny little ways that I know as podcasters, we can stand out um, because it's all about data. Also, I'll drop one more thing too, because as of now, the data recording is November 1. In exactly a week from now, Pinterest TV is going to launch. And I have to tell you that I think Pinterest TV could actually be viable against YouTube. It literally has an infrastructure as a search engine and as a content distributor to have that level of impact. So uh, if you're looking to make impact, you know, if you don't understand how the big bang theory happened, you know, if if you get active in the beginning when everything is about to explode, all parts of you and your energy and all, that's why these pieces are so matter. That's why these pieces matter so much that you build them so that when you no longer have control, when they've been shared, in this public social media economy that we don't have rights to after it's left our mouths, that it's shared with the correct intent, that you've given it, you know, the meaningful energy that it had and that it's it's something that translates, you know, it's an, an emotion or a word. So just ways to stand out again. Um, and all those are free. How about oh, that? I- IMDB, free. Uh, I have a step-by-step guide uh, okay. on my Creator Hub. Uh, I have over 100 awards worthy of winning. Well, we definitely want to make sure I have all the right links in the show notes because I feel like I just went to school and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I want to um, take it a tiny bit deeper and ask you, like, what are some of the do's and don'ts for people about getting discovered? Whatever discovered means, right? Yeah, clarity. So the the great question. So even in in and of itself, what does discovering mean? Clarity. Um, When you get discovered, what do you want to have happen? And then what do they want to have happen, right? 
So like there's two things that are happening at a point of discovery. One is you hope that's from this moment of visibility, maybe the person shares your phone number. So you need to make sure the phone number is, is wide and present and loud and clear. And that this is where they say, don't confuse you may lose. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I want them to have my email address and I want them to have my Twitter handle and my Twitter handle is different than my Instagram handle and something about TikTok. Clarity. Yeah. It's not about the options where people can find you. Trust me, there are enough places in this world where people can find you. Take confidence in, in the decision of picking where you want to be when you are discovered, right? Mm -hmm. So I choose to be discovered on LinkedIn. I I move quickly. I mean, most of what I do is networking. So mm -hmm. usually the, the bond between the two pieces of property that I'm networking is something creative, a show, a book, a post, an event, an opportunity, something creative that's binding them together. But I, I like to move quickly. It's nice for me to meet on LinkedIn because that's where I like to execute oftentimes. I'm not saying, and also I, um, and there, there's certain times where I stand out on LinkedIn, to be honest, more than on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that little blue check on Instagram to a small business that doesn't have the blue check on Instagram. I stand out more on Instagram than I do, you know, on LinkedIn if they've been solely focused on LinkedIn. So I, again, I try to find people where they allow me. So right, if they're gonna, be, if they're gonna have a presence on Twitter, that's where. That's where I'm going to go and meet them. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to have that many choices, right? We don't have to have, be, be as accessible. We don't have to increase our visibility mm. to be discovered, to be transactional. How about that? that I think that's, that. I think that's powerful. I really think that's powerful because there's a lot of small business owners that I know and myself included many times have been there. It's like, okay, so I've got to do Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok. I, oh my God, now it's YouTube shorts. Now I have to do Pinterest. Now I have to do and it can get to this point of like, oh my God, I, I can't, it's too much. And then some people just tap out when you're saying we're making it far more complicated than we need to. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just because there are so many options. Uh, and, and, and most people's strategies are insular to the social platform, meaning most people plan on having a relationship with their Instagram audience on Instagram. They plan on having a relationship with their LinkedIn audience on LinkedIn and there has been many times throughout this year, even especially this week, where there was a glitch on Instagram and accounts got canceled out of out of a mistake, out of a whim, let alone when it's not a mistake and then they're still unapologetic about it and you can't reclaim that back. So I've so there I think there's that intentionality of of creating an audience on a platform that you don't own. Mm -hmm. And I'll say it this way. <laughs> If it's easy to do, then you should be suspicious, right? <laughs> if if it's so easy to have a free audience on Instagram or free audience on TikTok, you should you should be suspicious of the the true value of the relationship you have with those people and control you have with those people. In the the future, we talk about this decentralized, you know, media. It gets a little wordy sometimes, but this idea that we don't need to rely on on a sole platform yeah. to own. To, to own the infrastructure of our content and in, in, in the way that it's built, that that we should actually be able to own, you know, our the the way that we connect with our audiences. Um, and, and some people look at that as like a right. And some people talk about that as a violation of rights. The way I see it um, is for some reason, people just are programmed to think that the audience needs to sit in the theater that they were met at. 
for some reason, people feel comfortable keeping people where they are. In social media, that's not the case. Social media is already on temporary grounds. Imagine if there were no threads. Imagine if threads disappeared. This would be brilliant, actually. If threads disappeared and they didn't exist after 24 hours, we would take way more opportunities to um, collaborate and be more successful with each, with each other because we, we, would, we would feel the pressure of identifying the value between us because we're taking for granted that there's a connection between us mm-hmm. when in fact... At the push of a button or a robot, there may not be that connection anymore. Oh, no, I saw it yesterday when, I mean, I don't know how many accounts got canceled and I don't, I noticed it. My account didn't, but I also noticed how like the followers went down, straight up, down. I'm like, what is happening? It's very weird, but there were no new names and no new people. So it felt, it felt very strange. And it was just another one of those reminders. I say it to myself probably a couple of times a week. Like, I don't own that. That's not my platform. I'm there but I don't own that. And I I think it's so important to continue to find your way to bring people and connect with people in a way that supports your business and that you still have some ability to connect with them. Yeah. Also, also the social media platforms think that consistency means like uh, every day or every week. I got to be honest, like I, I recently lost some weight and the way that I lost weight was not to try to lose a pound less than the day before I tried to be a pound less than the year before. Mm-hmm. And I would thank myself a year ago. I'd be like, yo, Vin, you gotta, thank God you got that strawberry milkshake. Cause I don't know if I could keep losing weight at the rate you were going last year. You needed that day. I need this day. I appreciate the, this grace and space and, and not having to, to bet against or, or against or for myself in a, in a weird way. If I'm winning, if one half of me is winning, if I lose weight and I win, then one half of me is losing. So I had to eliminate that, that ability of that, that sort of narrative. And, and, and I bring that up with creating content. Um, uh, as a thought leader, as a business owner, we often, or, or now are often drawn to create content to, to sort of emulate our, um, quotes or our values or a saying or, you know, a piece of education we want to get out there as opposed to starting with the education and then supporting that education maybe with two or three podcast episodes in that month. And maybe I might record one of those episodes for me, but maybe I'll be a guest on five people's podcast. By the way, my big pro tip on being a podcast guest is I, I actually have time on Tuesdays and Thursdays marked off on my schedule every single week. Mm-hmm. to record content. If I'm not guesting on someone else's, then I have time for my own and I can do something creative myself. Mm-hmm. But by having time where I'm focused on creative output, I don't have to worry about, you know, if, if we have a 45-minute a conversation, it's 15 minutes of tech setup, it's 10 minutes of getting my yeah. dogs to be quiet, all, all the interruptions are at the... I know that I have coverage. I have someone that is taking my calls. I have someone who's reading my emails. I'm the same person, by the way, making sure that nothing is going wrong Mm -hmm. um, while I can be here and be present. Mm -hmm. And, and actually this is like such a gift to be able to do, to, to get to be here and just only have you to think about. You don't, you don't know what that's like. I'm like, Marsha, I need this. (laughs) I love it. I I love it too. I love it. I love this. This is, and this is what I did for 25 years on Zoom, Skype, and recorder, like recording, you know, mm-hmm. unscripted TV 
for years. And, um, and I, and I know that the power in just showing up and, and trusting the process. Again, I love that I'm not the editor on this and I trust that you are. And I can give graciously knowing that, that I've made some conscious decisions. We, we both have made conscious decisions leading up to here to make sure we're like of the right mindset and, we, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, cause there's it's still some exploration that happens, but you do want to commit to your audience and make sure that you land on actionable, you know, advice and, and takeaway. So I just love, I love that process and just the power, the power people have now in podcasting is it's really cool. It's really powerful. It's, it's huge. It's huge. And I do want to say for anybody who's listening, like, um, how you messaged me about being a guest, like it was, it was, it was great connection. Like I get some where I'm like, okay, what, like, <laughs> what, like, this is, you know, it, take a, take a look through, see what the show's about, have a connection, but some people will immediately, and this is actually very symbolic of what social media can be like. They will immediately send me this one page with all this, like, you know, font size 10, all their accolades. And I'm looking at it going, you want me to read all this? Like, do you want me to, to what? like, what, what? No, I'm not doing that. And it's funny because it's like missing this piece of connection. And that's what happens in social media. Sometimes I'll get messages in my DMs and I'm like, wow, who is telling you this is the way to make a connection? Because this is not it. Like, this is, this is, this is not working. There's no way this is working. It's yeah. not just me. So I love that you did that. Oh, and thanks. as soon as I took a, no, I just think it's, I love that you did it. And I thought it was important to share it because as we're talking about this piece of connection, like take, take a couple minutes to make a sincere connection with somebody as opposed to, Hey, like buy my stuff or, Hey, you have a lot of followers. Can you share my cream online? And I'm like, like, hello. Like, can yeah. You, yeah. Can you say hello? Well, the, the thing about, po- about, podcasting too for me i would just it's so funny i would never come on a podcast and talk about a product only because i know that some of my episodes as a podcast guest are going to have so many more hits years from now like i'm like like i'm thinking i'm like a matisse or a van gogh you know hopefully i don't have to die before someone realizes the genius you know that's out there but podcasting is going to be around for such a long period of time that if i wanted to get product specific, I can go back and drop an ad in that. And there yeah. are ways that we can go back and do that in, in, in creatively that don't distract yes. from the permanent, permanent, like, yo, imagine NASA picks this podcast, this beam out to space. So alien, you know what I mean? Like, there's permanence to yeah. what we're creating here. And, and I wouldn't want that to get lost on a product. Also to point out one thing about um, the way we reached out and thank you so, so much. Um, I'm very clear on the fact that I am passionate about discovery and I'm able to talk about self-discovery and business discovery. And there's a couple of ways that I appreciate talking about it. I also give her, by the way, the quick before, now, and after. So like, here's what I'm doing now. Here's what I did a long time ago. And here there's even more coming. So again, I'm pitching myself as the source, not the story. And then at the end of my message to you, I didn't say, can I be a guest on your podcast? I asked a very open question, what happens next? I didn't give you the power or pressure to say yes or no. No, I kept it creatively open. By the way, that's that's how you do it in t- when you pitch a show to TV networks. You say you go like this: We're going to do a show, and it's got these women, and it's going to be ba ba da ba, and da 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 da. It's going to be great. All right, see you later. 
And then they're like, wait, can we buy it from you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what we, that's what we came here. But you didn't say you wanted to buy it. So I'm certainly not going to ask you if you don't want it, you know. Like, yeah. So, so I create the space where where we don't have to be so transactional in what we want to get what we want together. And I, I, from the get-go, so I appreciate you picking up on that. Um, I 100 out, And I hope it, I, you know, I, I wanted to explain some of the, the mentality um, behind it too. And Podmash actually just came out with a book um, uh, called Pod, uh, called Guest Mastery. I actually got to write a chapter in it and I talk a little oh, bit about wow. uh, the, the structure of how I reach out because I've been, I've been pitching myself recently, but pitching other people, I had to get Snoop Dogg, his guests, you know, they all start someplace at MTV. So booking guests, figuring out the, the value proposition is something I've been doing a while. So I'm happy, happy to help people reach out and um, be successful in connecting. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And I just, I'm glad that we went there because I think that's valuable for other people who are listening um, in how to make connections. Because I can say, I definitely, I'm at a point now where I'm probably only taking maybe 40 to 50% max of what I'm getting because some of them are just, it's just not the right fit. Or maybe they are, and I don't know it from the way that they're pitching. That's very possible too. Um, One question. Can I throw out one more in terms of connection? It's like a a weird thing I feel like I want to give. Um, one other trick, I hate to say trick, but it literally is a trick that I've been doing my entire life. So whether I'm reaching out to a celebrity with a TV show or whether somebody who isn't been working in TV for 20, these the podcast publicists don't know who I am now. I'm like old school. Oh, if you're an old school publicist, you recognize me. If you're new school, I still got to go through the gate as if I'm a first timer. So one of the things I do with celebrities, um, is I'll reach out to them directly on social media. And before I reach out to them on social media, I go to IMDb Pro, and this is something you do you do need to pay for IMDb Pro. There is a three-month free trial, so you can try it this way. Mm-hmm. But I need to go to IMDb Pro and I look at their I look at who their team is. It tells me their publicist, their lawyer, their manager, their agent. And I usually look at the the, the publicist or the manager, and then I'll re- I'll reach out to the person. I'll say, Hey Judy, uh, I have an opportunity, a media opportunity for you. Is Marsha the best person for me to send this to? Because then I'm letting them know that I, I kind of, I'm like in their world a little bit. I know what I'm talking about. I know the people. And I'm making it easy for them to say yes or no to, is Marsha the right person to be speak to send this to? Yes. And what they can say is, yeah, send it to Marsha. Now, when I send it to Marsha, I get to say, hey, so-and-so said you were the right person. Now, now, now I know there's awareness of the pitch and the publicist now has the pitch. They also might say, no, 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 send it to my assistant. That's better than, you know, mm-hmm. so you're, you're in the funnel that way. They might say, oh, you know, I'm not, not really doing anything. You know, li- well, actually, talent, <laughs> no, they won't. I've never gotten talent. No, no talent has ever said, sorry, I'm not currently taking uh, submissions right now. That <laughs> usually comes from the publicist, to be really honest. So even then, if they give, but, but, you, but the idea is that you're pitching yourself as a source. If you reach out to that publicist and they say, you know, sorry, Judy's not available. The next thing I would say is, okay, well, let me know what I can do at getting better at timing the support for your talent. I have a list of opportunities, episodes that I'm looking to book over the next year. And if you want to give me some times that might be, might work for you, I can certainly try to get better at my timing. Mm. I'm not saying no part of that was on, no part of that puts pressure on them. They didn't do anything wrong. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, all I'm saying is like, let me be better at being, at having stronger timing. Um, pitch myself as the source, not the story. And the, 
some of that is like networking 101 as well, but just an alternative way to getting talent asks out there, even speakers, coaches, people out there, you know, that are, you might see them and you know, they have an assistant. So maybe I would drop, Hey, Tony Robbins, um, is Valerie, the, I don't even know who is this. I don't know who's whatever that is, but is Valerie the best person to reach out to? And he'd be like, no, reach out to Marsha. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Marshas and Valerie's and Judy's in my life. I love like, it. Fun names. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. Again, thank you. Because I know we're giving the audience, um, very valuable tips on connection and sharing like more of who you are, which is exactly what I want to get into. Cause there's a couple of key questions I want to ask you is like for people who are in this process of sharing themselves online, how can you give advice to stay in your own lane and stop getting pulled or victim to comparison? Like how do people, what are some of the things that you would give as advice to stay in your own lane? Uh, clarity. Okay. Yep. Right. So, um, there's, there's two ways that we can, we can, we can approach clarity, uh, internally and externally, the external way are horse blinders. So sometimes we need to delete apps. Sometimes we need to put limits on, on the amount of scrolls on like there is some technology that physically constrains us. Right. And it's about believing in those boundaries. That's the external way. And the internal way is, is setting, setting boundaries. It's, it's, it's setting time. Mm-hmm. It's addressing time, to be really honest. If <clears throat> I haven't proven this out yet, but I, I, here's, what I, here's what I would do if I was feeling like overwhelmed. I would commit to only thinking about or trying to move this project along at a certain period of time. I would say only for an hour Am I going to think c- commit to this? And in that hour, I need to to get X, Y, Z, and a couple of of short term and long term goals accomplished. But by setting a time structure for that, uh, where I'm in, or I'm sitting down with the intent of completing the task, will allow me to be more goal oriented than letting my mind run wild and free. 2.30 in the morning, 4 a.m. 4 in the morning, mm-hmm. I'm like rewriting my LinkedIn bio. I've been there. Like, yeah. I know it. I, you yeah. know, and then you wake up the next morning at 7.30 and you're like, huh? creator economist. What does that even mean? Like, what a what an annoying, <laughs> what an annoying LinkedIn buzzword, right? Like, yeah, yeah it's stuck. It's stuck. I like it, you know, um, <laughs> but it's really, truly how I feel sometimes. So, so there's so some of that is clarity and, and, and knowing what you want. Also, you know, if you feel like other people are doing what you're doing better, then I would challenge yourself in a way that asks you, how can you do what you do better for the people you do it for? Mm. So yeah, you know, uh, Marsha might be, you know, great at, at, you have 500 podcast episodes. So I'm going to throw a lot of assumptions, you, you know, your way, just based on your 500 versus my 30, right? Out of the gate, all the, all the wrong assumptions, I'm sure we can, yes. <laughs> right? Um, and, but if I were to say, you know what, I'm going to think of podcast growth from four to five on Thursdays, I doubt I'm going to give myself the time to let Marsha's success impact the the impact goals that I have specifically set in that time frame. Also, I work, I work in like, I, you know, I worked at MTV in, at first. So I, I work in like, <laughs> it's 
increments of like four and five minutes. Like I'm really good at a song is on. I'm going to finish this paragraph. By the end of the song, I'm going to have the email out. But so I, I keep coming up with these like smaller goals so that I can stay, so I can stay finite, so I can be finite mm-hmm. in hitting send. Um, I have an annual content grid schedule calendar, whatever you want to call it. Every month I have a specific word that I focus on for that entire month that I focus on so that I don't have to have 12 words in my head all year round trying to, oh my gosh, this is my impact moment. Use the impact word. This is the ignite moment. Use the ignite word. No, impact, ignite, inspire. Those those three words, not only do I want you to find me when in SEO, when those words pop up, but, but my my strategy is to use those in my everyday language, in the questions that I ask, because if I use them in if you use them in the questions, they're going to be part of the answer that you get back. So it's not just me now saying these words, you know, around me. And I give myself a month to make an impact in one specific word. So ignite uh, November. Ignite is the word for November. So ignite. I'm looking at ways new ways to start not just conversations and audiences, but to start connecting audiences to creating communities. And I'm going to look on Audible and I'm going to listen to podcasts and I'm going to specifically search this. I'm going to talk about it a lot. I already am. I'm going to talk about it a lot in the month of November. And then when December comes, I'm going to say, you know what? I feel good about the process. I have some new words, some new stories, a new understanding. And this has changed the alchemy moving forward. And there's there's nothing finite about this November's work because I know next November I can pick it up again and make more impact. Meanwhile, it's on to the next word so I can make real measurable impact in what I'm talking about as opposed to trying to create content. This is idea of like more visibility, more discoverability. No, more less visibility, more shareable content, more shareable energy, more shareable pieces. It's the, share, it's the sharing that really helps us get discovered. It's not, in fact, I can stand on the same corner and go nowhere. If I had, if I was, if I was in Times Square and I stood on the same corner and I gave away my free CD to everyone who literally came by me and I shared that and they shared that with people. This is like a, a visual way of yeah. talking, mentioning how I'm talking about the power of, of creating content that's shareable. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what a, I love your whole process because it's just, it always fascinates me to learn more and just to, just to hear how different people do it and how we can keep simplifying this process, which I think yeah. is really, really important. Now this, like this show own your choices on your life. Where was a time where Vinny had to like own his choices and that changed the direction of your life? Was there yeah, a time? It, it, yeah, it was the third week of October, 1998. I was in college. And uh, I learned the power of our stories. I learned that we are bad storytellers. Innately, bad storytellers, we hear the version of the story we tell ourselves or other people tell about us, and that, that, that became my reality. So I came back to school, and um, I came out to my family. I was like, I'm not going to live in anyone else's weird version of the truth anymore. I'm going to cleanse myself from that. And then the same group of people told me if I wanted to be a casting director, all I need to do is proclaim it, just Think in the future. And I was like, yo, you just told me, you just helped me not lie. Now you want me to lie again about like the future? I'm not, I'm not about to step into this untruth. And I did what I thought, I don't know, compelled or or called to do. <laughs> I took out an ad on Backstage, a magazine for actors looking that don't have representation. And I said, 
I'm looking to build my files. If you're looking for opportunities on camera, send me your headshot. One Campus Road, Student Box 577. And I got up five to 700 submissions sent to me in about a month. Oh my gosh. And that was the moment when, when, when I was like, well, 700 people, they all spent three back then $3 to get their headshot to me. Yep. I was like, that's a lot of money. I just like, I'm like stimulating, you know, back then I'm stimulating the economy. The USPS needs to be thankful for me. I felt a tremendous responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a data guy. I'm a tech guy. Yep. So I went to Excel and I created a database and that's ultimately the database that I used when Fox news and MTV came calling. And when it was time for me to stand out, it was, it was that, that purpose, that reason to, to have that database and that skill set, It kind of made it all make, make sense. And, uh, and then I realized the power of, of reality wasn't just like, I didn't just make decisions in, in confidence. I had to call my family and come out. So everyone, you know, I had to do something where people were, or witness to it. So this is reality TV 101. Yeah. Like just because you do it, you know, doesn't mean people see it. And then if people don't see it, your reality is not changed because you do not control your reality. Mm-hmm. The perception of what you're, you know, that's the, the audience controls, you know, the perception of your reality. So, yes. so when you take the ability that we can change our mindset around who we are, and then when MTV gave us 30 minutes a week instead of three minutes in music videos for artists to share their story when they gave us the time to to fill that with with people who were out to make impact you know there's not a lot of ego with no. jess and and well with jess and ashley and 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 with the Simpsons, with Jessica Simpson, Ashley Simpson, and Osborne's and Ashton, like some of the early people we worked with, what made them different than the reality TV boom of Bravo. And I, I worked on Housewives of, of Jersey as well, for better or worse. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who like swears and watches all all the episodes, and I'm like, I have not watched. It's just, it's, oh yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's. I'll tell you what though. I'm like uh, an Italian boy from Staten Island. I show up with like the Manigot, the a couple of bottles of wine, a little tiny camera crew. I get a tour of the house. I'm well fed. It's a great gig. Perfect. I really, yeah, it's a great gig. You know. <laughs> all good it's all good it's right? i'm laughing because the people who have my cell phone now are like <laughs> it's interesting what's out there but <laughs> i love it i love i love i love crazy unique strange un uh underrepresented misunderstood people you know oh. i get i get i get us and yeah. i know that when space is given to us how we can fill it and podcasting is a great example of that mm-hmm. um and that that I don't know the power and the people. It's like it's, what we're creating now is very different than what was created on television because television is stimulated by advertising, yes, and a lot of other fugazi stuff that goes down. This is an economy that doesn't rely on those that infrastructure, and I don't think that we should rely on some of those same old tactics that didn't work in television for us as like modern creators now. What a great way to say that! Honestly, I absolutely love that. Um, what has been one of your biggest lessons? that you have learned even um uh, the, uh being on time mm-hmm. you know uh how important it is to be on time and and how you get like zero credit for being early and you get a lot of credit for being late you actually get more credit for being late you know, oh well facebook was second to the market myspace was first you know but myspace was first so you get no credit but facebook was second so like let's give them a look it's interesting how, how how timing works. Um, a lot of things need to fall fall into place for that to happen. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, and I, and for that reason, um, 
you know, now 25 years into my career, there are like ideas that I'm happy to remount and think about again and figure out how, how I can tell. Maybe it would, you know, maybe this should be a meme account. Maybe this is a, a, a short documentary. Maybe there, this is a, a, a micro series that, you know, interact, you know, all these, maybe this is AR. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that that the more confident we can get in our ideas, the more confident we get in our clarity of the, the the energy and the goals that we want to come from the content we're creating, the more prepared we'll be when new platforms like Pinterest TV or whatever is whatever the next video thing or the next photo thing or the, the next audio thing, you know, is that the better prepared we'll be to be able to utilize those quicker, sooner, being early adopters and, and getting discovered, being part you know, there's a part of the economy where you need to be in it at a certain period of time to have the impact that the top creators, you know, are having on these platforms. So um, that's why I like pointing out when I know there's newness coming our way so that we can be prepared. It's like, uh, it's like, you know, <laughs> I think of myself at the Jersey shore with my little boogie board and my little belly as like a 14 year old watching all these people get waves around me. You asked this question earlier, you know, when, when, so this is the, the visual here is like, I'm not, I'm not chasing after waves that are well ahead of me. I'm not swimming after a wave that passed me. I'm going to plant my feet in the sand and I'm going to really look far ahead and find the best wave for me. The one that I want that picture, you know, I, I got a certain vision in my head now, if this is going to go down. So it's that clarity, it's that positioning and it's being prepared that it takes to not just maximize the goal, but am- amplify the goal. That's that's what makes it sustainable. And if you can't sustain the message financially or you know with energy, like what's how does the message? It 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 won't matter if you can't sustain yeah. it. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love this conversation, and I know you've had a lot of different times and experiences and things that you've had over the years that have brought you to here. What's next for you? <laughs> um, well, let's see the real people, the real people economy, the influencer economy, the creator economy, the editor economy. I think we're going to, I think editors, I think, I, I think the people who soon realize the power in editing and the editors, I mean, oh, <laughs> the, the Bible has many famous authors, but there's one really famous editor. <laughs> Everybody knows King James. Like the mo- and, and I think that, and I think that when I talk about editing, even on our stories in a way that, you know, reality TV gets a bum rap for it in some ways, like we're we, like reality TVs are like, we control the story to be negative or we, we created something with negative impact. And to be honest, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, probably, probably, mm-hmm. I gotta be honest, because that's what that's our bosses and bosses, bosses and networks bosses wanted. But, but the, the difference now is that those networks are reliable and responsible for the output and response that comes from that pot, from the, from that content. So there's much more of a control of outcome that happens throughout the process. There's much more mindfulness and a, a, a much deeper sense of responsibility mm-hmm. to what we're creating now um, than before. That being said, uh, editing. So if people aren't great, you know, if people don't feel like they're great creators, a blog aggregator is something that you go to for free and you say, I want 10 blogs about podcast marketing. One of the things I do with my clients is we get them in the aggregator. So if, I'll send you this link, but if you go to vpe.tv slash Q-U-U-U, you can go inside. It's how you upload your blogs to be um, 
uh, ingested by the aggregator that's then distributed to people who are looking for blogs about podcast marketing. So that I'm, I'm helping you get discovered at a point in time, A, where someone is sitting down to read it or share it, right? Because there's nothing worse than like trying to get discovered on Instagram when all I'm trying to do is scroll through a boring meeting. I ain't yeah. trying, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, be, you want to be in the right place at the right time. And also I can help you get discovered as a blog and distributed as a blog through a blog aggregator more so than maybe as a new, as a new podcast, more so than like your artwork or the guests or some of the stuff that we focus on in terms of the branding that's make us stand out as a podcast in the, in the sense of being discovered as a podcast. And what I'm doing is showing you how valuable your words are, your story is, and the value in translating that into a blog that Google understands. Mm-hmm. That's really all it is, is this, is making sure Google knows, understands the data that you're putting out there. And, um, and that's a big, that's a big space, by the way, where I'm able to make impact and grow, um, audiences where it's hard to meet people in podcasting because of how people listen to podcasting, usually not through a social, a socialized app. Although I, I love good pods in terms of like socialized, um, uh, podcast apps that you can consume and exchange content in. But that's what's next is the editing, the power of the people. Even on Instagram, they have this uh, the, the, this post type called guides. And guides on Instagram allows you to source other people's posts or destinations. It allows you to literally create like a, a, 10, po- a 10 post. You can select up to 10 posts and one of your posts and post that out as a guide. So I think, I think um, discernment, I think culling, I think aggregation refinement, you know, groups figuring out how to access content in a refined way that's inbound to them. Um, Ownership is the future of content. Ownership. It's a big difference between now and 25 years ago. A lot of those stars they talked about don't own the shows that that we think they own. And certainly the actors weren't getting paid anything that, you know, we've learned that story from, you know, from many actors. So ownership is a gigantic is the is the probably gigantic and look look at what nfts just did with video and moving images and that's just the beginning of the power of how they're going to try to place value how to understand or measure the value of our ip it's crazy to think that it's taken the van goghs and the major artists that have created tactile paintings that we can physically touch with our hands, it's crazy to think that something, our words, our video can actually ever amass a value of that level. Um, and if you can wrap your head around it, I applaud you for seeing the bigger picture. And if you can't wrap your head around it, then just, just know this, I believe in you. <laughs> mm. And, and when you, when you figure it out when you want to reach out and talk about that bigger universe that exists than you were aware of, mm-hmm. I love that conversation because it's, it's nothing to be lost about. It's, there's no place to end. So there's no place to start. It's literally choices. And if I can help you make better choices and some of those might be fun for social media purposes mm-hmm. and some of them are, are deeply character defining, you know, so, um, but all of it. Us bringing levity, not distilling the truth, watering down the mm-hmm. the facts. I'm not, but but levity makes it a little easier to share and to, to be talked about at a dinner table. And I think that in this like siloed world of social media, it's easy to talk at someone. Or to, we've we've mm-hmm. learned to niche down so much that we're literally talking to a single person now in an audience. 
Um, although I personally believe that we shouldn't be niching down our personal brands. I think we should be niching down our products. Oh, I'm so glad you said this. <laughs> I, uh, okay. No, I do absolutely love it because there's a lot of people who are so much about niching down in, I don't know. I just, I like to think that like the more we can learn how to share ourselves and our story and be authentic and who that is, it will speak to the people that it's meant to. If we niche to only one specific person and don't even get me started on pain points because I think that's missing <laughs> the hallmark. Um, like if we don't, people don't need to be reminded of their pain. We think it every day. It's like, can we give people a vision of where they can go and what yeah. they can change and what they can do as opposed to shoving their pain down their throat every single I just don't, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah, I said no, I'm not going to RSVP to that. No, <laughs> Take my I, name off that list. <laughs> I don't want it. I don't want it. No, uh, yeah, I, have, I agree. There's so many things that you've said, and I've loved the conversation, and you've opened up my eyes even more in the sense that I had a friend reach out recently, and she was like, okay, you have got to get somebody to start to transcribe your podcast into blogs to start to, you've got content already done. It's not even making new content. It's like you have to, and I was like, okay, on the list, on the list, on the list. So thank you for that reminder because it's, you know, we're already creating so much content as it is. So how can we continue to reuse, repurpose and get it to different people when it's already created? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that a question or is that theoretical? I think (laughs) I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'm like, I got an hour, an hour long answer for that one, by the way, you know, the short answer I was going to say is people like focus their people focus their amplification strategies on this word repurposing mm-hmm. as if they're like surprised that they suddenly have to promote or amplify their content. They're like repurpose. It's like when you repurpose a gift, that's not like a good thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like reusing something that's old. You can put something new on top of it, try to give it new context, but it's still old. It's still already served its its original. But if you create something in pre-purposement, if you're and that's what in television, we're pre-purposing our content. I know that I need certain things in this episode on a house makeover show. I need certain visual elements to happen. I'm looking for those elements all throughout the week. I'm looking for ways to make those elements happen. I'm looking to pre- I'm not looking to change reality. I'm looking to make, you know, mm. be prepared when those elements do come into place when the wall gets knocked down. That's why we have demolition day so we can cover the actual demolition without needing to stage it, although we have to stage the day for, you know, things to happen, but that's like saying, you know, uh, well, it's not really her birthday because like she had a birthday party. People leave them alone. <laughs> let us, let us, let us live on our, on our truths and let us not have to hide behind, you know, the pretense of what everyone else, you know, really wants from us. Mm-hmm. But the, all of that to be said, own your content. Don't in the shark tank world where people are looking to buy, sell podcasts right out of the gate, or they want ads. Just believe in the power of you. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Um, where can people connect with you? I appreciate that. I'm on LinkedIn a whole lot. Um, so say hi on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm just Vinny Potestivo and all that. Um, but I do have a creator hub. Um, anything I've talked about has documentation, and that is at vpe.tv. So those five little letters, vpe.tv. Uh, that's me. And uh, I appreciate it. Say hi, by the way, reach out, say what's up. Like we don't need to just meet when it's time for me to help you figure out what deal to take or which way to, which way to go. Like I I appreciate, you know, the energy in my life before, um, before we have to make those critical decisions. 
Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you all. I'll make sure all of that is in the show notes for anyone to connect and follow and learn more about you. And I know that if you want to hear Vinny more on podcasts, you've been on a ton of podcasts lately. So when I even just search your name, like you've been, which is great, like you've been a guest on a number of ones. So I love it. Um, I have one question for you that is left and it is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, I love that. Show, show, showing up for yourself. <laughs> it's easy to show up for other people. I had, mm-hmm. I had to, for me, it's much easier to sit in an audience, cheer on somebody else, go to a marathon and cheer on somebody else, go to a spelling bee, go to a recital, go to a karaoke contest and cheer on somebody else. It's sometimes hard for me to show up for myself, to be a fan mm-hmm. of myself. Um, and, and, and I have to even just, rem- I, I think I even forgot that I, I say this, I, that I feel that way. Because when I forget that I can be my own fan sometimes, I don't get to share in some of the energy that exists out there. And by understanding that energy, I feel like it helps me be a better version of me. So uh, especially because I'm mindful of the energy I put out there. It's energy. It's meant to do something. I'm not... You don't get to just sit on your couch anymore and watch TV with me anymore. <laughs> Those days are gone. Like I'm doing podcasts because you're, you got to be on the go. Yeah. You know, my episodes are under 15 minutes. I don't think there's any specific length for how long something should be to inspire, but I know it's not longer than 15 minutes. Go do something. Mm-hmm. And that's why my podcasts are designed to be short and also about one topic. And as you've heard on this podcast, I have a hard time staying focused on one topic. So that structure helps me. That, that structure helps me stay present and know that I've made impact mm-hmm. in the topic as opposed to feeling like there's more I can add. You do. You do. And I, I want to say, I want to say one thing to just give you some credit in a way that when I ask that question, like what lesson in life are you most grateful for? Almost always there's a long pause because people will say that that's a really hard question. And it's so hard. Your response was immediate and it was to show up for yourself. And I think that's really powerful because that is, I mean, it's not always easy to do, but I think it's an incredibly powerful thing to do because we tend to show up so much and cheer others on, which I think is a beautiful thing, but we have to be able to be our own biggest fan and like really get ourselves to continue to move forward and do the things that will create change in our own life. Yeah. Like we need to believe in ourselves and to do that, we need to create the space where we are allowed to create, to actually feel that way about ourselves. Um, That's why certain artists have us an onstage persona. You know, Beyonce talks about Sasha Fierce and she's an onstage persona. She fully believes in Beyonce that we all know, but she's also like, that is Beyonce. I am Beyonce. That's performance, Beyonce. I am Beyonce. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like the separation for grace and space. Yes. And yes. and also, um, I appreciate you acknowledging that there was a short r- r- t- turnaround on that answer. I got to be honest. I'm putting conscious energy into it. So mm-hmm. that's a it's a question that I'm mindful of and something that I'm putting the work in on. So thanks. You're so welcome. Thank you. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. If you love this episode, I invite you to tag me on social media with your takeaways or share it with a friend. Please, if you feel called, take 30 seconds to leave a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. 
Until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.